1: It's something I've been doing my whole life. Like, if it's not track and field, you know, I was training for triathlons. If it wasn't triathlons, I was training for road races and 5Ks and bicycle races. And it's just, I'm always happiest when I'm training for something. And I just like to see how fast I can get as I age. It's fun to see if you can keep getting faster as a master. Women's running, running, running.
2: Running running stories.
1: Stories. I am Sue McDonald, mother of three, and I love to run in circles.
2: Yes, this is the story of how Sue McDonald does keep getting faster as a master who loves to run in circles. And in fact, her speed and racing ability was so stellar this year that she was just announced as the 2023 USATF Masters Track and Field Athlete of the Year. A huge congratulations to Sue. But before we hear more from Sue, I want to welcome you to Women's Running Stories. This is the podcast where I share stories told by women about their running experiences. I am Cherie Louise Turner, I am your host and producer, and this podcast is a proud member of the Evergreen Network of Podcasts. There's another show in the network that I know you'll really enjoy, and that is Hear Her Sports. It is hosted by my good friend Elizabeth Emery, and every other Thursday, Elizabeth publishes a conversation that she has had with an incredible female athlete or another woman in the sports space. and I always learn so much in these conversations, even when Elizabeth is interviewing people who I'm not particularly familiar with or I don't know their sport very well. I just – I feel like I get so much insight into what makes them so passionate about what they're doing and how they do the incredible things that they do. In particular, there was a great episode recently with hammer thrower Janae Casanovoid. And I'll be honest, I didn't know anything about the hammer throw before I listened to this episode, and I wasn't familiar with Janae. But now I have a much better appreciation for that event, and I'm really excited to see what comes next for Janae. She is an international competitor, and her descriptions of the technique that she uses for the hammer throw and just the kind of training that she puts in to be able to do what she does, I mean, it's fascinating. And yeah, I'm excited to watch how her career unfolds going forward, especially as we're going into an Olympic year. So check out Hear Her Sports. Again, episodes come out every other Thursday, and you can learn more at hearhersports.com, which, of course, I will link to in the show notes. All right, now on to Sue's story. As you'll hear, Sue McDonald has been a competitive master's racer for many years. And in fact, she's been an athlete for most of her life. But 2023 has really been something special for her, She set nine world records. And, well, I'm going to let her tell you what those events were.
1: Yes. uh, Indoors, 800 and 1,500. Outdoors, 300 hurdles, 400, 800, 1,500. Mile, 3,000 steeplechase, heptathlon.
2: Yeah, pretty incredible, right? One thing to note here before we get into this story is that Sue started her record-setting quest earlier this year, in March of 2023, at the Masters Indoor World Championships in Poland. During that event, Sue turned 60, which meant she had a whole new realm of world records to chase. So, yeah, this is the story of what went into Sue McDonald's preparation so that she was ready to add her name to the record books in the women's master's 60 to 64 age category, or the W60 as she calls it. All right, let's get to it. Here is Sue McDonald to start things off with a bit of background on her athletic career.
1: Back in college, I was recruited as a heptathlete, and then I became, you know, a pretty good high jumper. So and by the time i was a senior in college i got mononucleosis and i um was kind of forced to back off on training for all the other events of the heptathlon but stuck with the high jump and continued to excel in that after college i did compete at a high level in the you know open high jump and tried to make the olympic trials in 88 failed to make the olympic trials <laughs> but after that is when i Started to have fun with things like road racing, 5Ks, 10Ks, uh, triathlons, triathlon relays, bicycle racing. And I did that just throughout the years. I would do some track meets if there was one locally or in L.A., which is about an hour and a half from me here in Santa Barbara. So I would see a meet and, you know, sometimes I'll go, oh, let me see what I can do. You know, so I'll go do an 800 or I'll, I'll do the high jump, come back and pole vault. So those were all sporadic. I didn't do any training for those. But then yes, it was the high jump. When I turned when I was about to turn 50, I saw what the American record was for the 50 to 54 age group and I thought, "Hey, I think I could do that." I did break the American record. I didn't get the world record, which was really what I wanted. <laughs> But I did go to the World Championships in France in 2015. Unfortunately, in May, before the championships, I was high jumping in a meet and I tore my hip labrum during the plant phase of the high jump. Didn't really know it was torn. I just knew it hurt. And so I got some help with my chiropractor, Benjamin Holt, and he got me, I was able to compete. In the high jump at the world championships and I got second, but it was very difficult. I couldn't train like I would normally train. Basically, I would have to probably jump like every two weeks. Um, But yeah, so that went well. Uh, I I think I jumped. I didn't jump my PR, my master's PR, but I did do well enough to get uh, the silver.
2: After that hip injury, Sue changed her focus and for a time, she went in a whole new direction.
1: I actually did the Boston marathon before I got into training for masters track and field and running. The reason I got into the marathon training was because I thought since I can't jump anymore, maybe I can just run slow and long. So I got the great idea to try to qualify for the Boston marathon in 2017. So I, I ran a qualifier in Santa Rosa, California. And, uh, got to go. But as it was getting closer to Boston, my hip was starting to hurt a little bit more. And I almost pulled out and decided not to do it. But all my running friends here in Santa Barbara said, no way you qualified for Boston. You're going girl. (laughs) So this was 2018 when they had the worst weather in the history of Boston Marathon. (laughs) And uh, so I just decided I would just do it and have fun. So it was after that, that I decided to try the middle distance. And um, give that a go. And, uh, the 800 was always one of my best events in the heptathlon where most heptathletes dread the 800 because they typically don't train for it. It's a beast of an event, (laughs) not quite a sprint and, and it's not quite distance running. So I knew I had some talent in that. And I also was also focused a little bit on the 400 meters and I was on Facebook one day, I saw a woman post about a world record that she did in the Indoor 800. And I didn't know this lady, her name's Leslie Hines. But I was just cheering her on and, you know, commenting like, congratulations, and oh, that's really exciting. And I'm actually going to be starting to train for the 800 also. And she said, Oh, well, do you have a coach because my, my husband's a really great coach.
2: Sue was new to Masters track running, so she followed up on the suggestion to work with Leslie's husband and coach, Tom.
1: I really didn't know what was good or what was not good in terms of times, you know. So when they had me do a time trial in the 800 and 400, they were really impressed. I'm like, really? (laughs) Really? Like, this is fast for my age. (laughs) And, um, you know, because I'm kind of comparing them to when I was younger, because that was the last time I did it It was probably 20 years earlier. So I thought, oh, okay, this is apparently fast. (laughs) And so, you know, he just, we trained a little bit and fine-tuned everything. And and, uh, I think my first meet, I broke the American record in the 800. And then at nationals a, a month later, I broke both the four and the eight. American records at nationals. So yeah, it, I think I found my niche.
2: Sue ended up working with Tom, who was based in Atlanta, Georgia, for the next several years. But coming into 2023, a casual encounter with legendary coach Terry Howell opened the door to a support system that was much closer to home for Sue. Uh,
1: well, Terry, Terry and I are basically neighbors. Um, he lives probably half a mile away. Uh, but we've run into each other in, you know, the running circles for the last 20 years. Um, and he's always been a a coach that everyone knows. And, um, he usually just has a small group of people or individuals that he's been coaching. And so, you know, there's only a certain number of tracks here in Santa Barbara. So I would run into him, you know, like on an early Wednesday morning when he'd be training his group and, and maybe I'm, you know, I was training solo for many, many years. And so, um, you know, sometimes I'd say, hey, you know, I'm going to do, I have to do a time trial today. Would you mind, you know, timing me? Um, but how we got together as far as working together recently was um, we just ran into each other at a summer track meet and got to talking to each other in the parking lot. And I was asking them questions about, hey, you know, I really want to run some world records next year. And, and this is probably what it's going to take to do, you know, to do it. And um, he said, oh, yeah, he goes, you could totally do that. And he, he blurted out some times that he thought that I should be able to run in the 400 and 800. And he was a, an elite 800 meter runner himself, uh, like almost pro. Like he, he would, um, go to Europe and compete and, um, compete against, you know, all the great people. So, um, so he knows the event inside and out and, um, he's also, you know, a masters himself. So he knows, you know, that he has to train me a certain way because I'm not a spring chicken anymore. So we decided we would just chat on the phone and, and, you know, talk further about the possibility of working together. And so that went well and we decided to uh, give it a go. And, uh, we just had to start off real easy. Cause I, the previous year I had just focused on the 400 and so I did not have any aerobic base. I just was a sprinter. So we had to build the base from nothing. Um, so he just kind of took me along very slowly and cautiously and, um, What I liked about him was that he really, really gave me confidence. One thing he said to me in our little talk was, I'm not going to make you do anything that I don't believe you can do. So I know that in practice, anything he gives to me, he really seriously believes I can do, you know, meet those times or, you know, do what he has set forth for me to do. And so far, he's been right.
2: So Terry became Sue's coach, and the two set out to get her into record-setting condition. When considering Sue's age, the tact was to mitigate damaging impact without compromising training.
1: Yeah, um, I think the main difference is I cross train twice a week, so I work out every day, but two of those days are on my bike. I have a Nordic track bike at home, so there's two days during that week that I don't count my legs, um, you know, by running on the ground. And then when I do run, I either run on the track twice a week. Or I make sure I run on dirt. I don't run on pavement or asphalt. So I think that really helps save my hip and my legs and my knees, and all the joints. But yeah, the cross training I think really helps keeping my l- mileage low, or at least for now, um, it's pretty low. I think maybe up to like 25 miles a week.
2: In addition to being thoughtful about adjusting for the changes that come with aging, Sue also focused on mastering the basics of healthy, productive training.
1: Well, I do take about half an hour to warm up, um, and I don't warm up like your typical middle distance would warm up. They, you know, typically they would run, you know, maybe a mile or two, or you know, a mile and a half, you know, jogging, and then they would maybe do some stretches or dynamics, and and get right into their um, their session. But I you know i jog just a little bit like maybe 5 minutes and then i do these strides which are called fresh runs and i'll do like 10 of them for both warm up and cool down and they're about 3k pace you know so not too fast and not too slow um but if i have like a fast workout coming up like if that day is going to be a really fast workout then i'll make sure that some of those fresh runs are at the pace that i'm going to be hitting so you know you kind of lock in the pace But yeah, so I'll do that and then I do a bunch of dynamic exercises. I don't do static stretching, but I I do stretching through movement and I I do that for about ten minutes. So yeah, one of the considerations I do is to make sure I'm very well warm up. I have my warm up routine that works for me. And I have a cool down routine that I like too. The cool down routine is pretty much similar to the warm up where I do another ten fresh runs. So that's covering at least 100 meters. So that's like you're getting in another thousand meters, but you're not jogging like, you know, these shuffle jogs. <laughs> I'm actually working on my running technique, which is something that I've really been um, conscious of throughout my college and post collegiate career. My running form.
2: Sue was determined to leave no stone left unturned. So her preparation did not end with her training regimen.
1: We, I had been plant, plant plant-based for seven years until I decided, let me see what, what can I do to put myself in the best situation, you know, to, to rewrite the record books. And, and that was, I knew I needed to do something about my nutrition because I really didn't think that I was getting proper protein, uh, because there's a lot of this plant-based stuff that I just didn't really like, (laughs) to be honest. and. So, I sought out Cynthia Monteleone, who's a metabolic practitioner, but she wouldn't work with me unless I ate meat, red meat, (laughs) because she really believes in the benefits of red meat and uh, sports performance and health. So, I decided, I called her back and I said, okay, I'll eat red meat. (laughs) And um, so then she, you know, uh, we had a a phone consultation and she went through, you know, my normal, like what I was doing now. Or then, and what would be best for my situation. And she came up with a protocol of a nutrition plan and um, some supplements like vitamins and minerals. And uh, so that changed in January. And uh, she actually said that my injuries would, you know, I, I would be less inflamed. And everything just started to feel better. I started having more energy, less aches and pains. And it was weird because I, I, I thought, how am I going to eat red meat in the morning before my workout? Like, that's what she wanted me to do. Like, that's crazy. But the thing is, it was just the palm size, you know? So maybe like, I don't know, six bites of steak or something like that. And you just have to make sure that you eat it, you know, an hour and a half before you work out. But yeah, so that was a big change there. And I also um, gave up alcohol, at least through worlds in Poland and afterwards I I drank a little bit, but then I went back on, you know, not drinking. What I do is take two sous sips as I call them of my husband's drink. (laughs) So that I kind of still feel like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still, it's not total, you know, quitting and two sips isn't going to be bad for me. So, and then I got more sleep. So the other big change I made was I was probably getting like four or five hours of sleep. And I increased that to seven to eight hours of sleep a night, and you put all those things together and that was just like the right recipe for me for success.
2: Okay. Well, there was one more element to add to this recipe, mental preparation. This is an area that Sue pays a lot of attention to and she has for many years.
1: When I went to uh, World's in 2015, I had to really rely on my mental game because I was injured. I had a torn hip labor on my plant leg or plant side. So I knew that jumping on that leg would potentially take me out. <laughs> and so uh, in high jump is very, very mental. So this is a subject that I've been interested in a, you know, many, many years. I started back there and I utilized Dr. Patrick Cohn's The Confident Athlete. It's a study on your own type of two week program where you go through and it just kind of helps you become more confident, more relaxed and all that. So I studied that and that really, really helped me. And I continue to do that to review it every year, basically. But um, since then I've learned other techniques, like more detailed visualization techniques uh, where I would just lay down for like 30 minutes a day. And I did this religiously going into indoor worlds in Poland. I would spend about 30 minutes a day, lay down on my bed, close my eyes, and just visualize my race. And not just the race itself, but my competitors. I visualized coming into the arena, warming up. I knew exactly what the warm-up area looked like because we had, uh, we competed in the same venue in 2019. But um, yeah, so I'd visualize everything from start to finish. And that really helped. And I got some help from Sarah Falk Green, who is a sports psychologist and sports performance coach. So she kind of helped me customize my imagery to help me at that particular championships. The other thing I did was I would listen to a sprint hypnosis audio. So I plug my headphones in and the hypnosis would kind of take me into a deep sense of relaxation and also have, you know, kind of take you through your race and provide you with a bunch of mantras to help you with confidence and you know feeling like a, a beast <laughs> oh breathing techniques totally helped me stay relaxed if i was you know, i used to show up to races and get so nervous you know i'd have to use the restroom like five times in within five minutes and um just was you know heart rate was racing and so now i use these simple breathing techniques to just help me calm down and stay relaxed and sometimes this last year or this year, I get to the start line and I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm too relaxed. Like sometimes I am like way too relaxed. And those are more of the meets where it, 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 there's not much on the line, you know, but I could definitely tell you that I, on the starting line in Poland in March, I definitely had to use my breathing techniques to, to calm me down as I was pretty hyped up because, you know, that was my moment. Like that was my moment to get my first world record. And so that in itself was nerve wracking, but I knew I just had to just keep breathing, doing my little breathing techniques <laughs> to calm myself down. Because I, so I had both. I had the energy, the nervous energy, but I had the ability to calm that down enough to where I wasn't just like a space cadet.
2: <laughs> Sue was attending to every facet of life to be at her peak come March. But even with best laid plans, Sue faced an unexpected hurdle.
1: I did have a little hiccup going into March where a few months leading into Worlds, my hip started to hurt again. And I also have an upper hamstring uh, injury that kind of comes back and forth (laughs) on the same side. And so I luckily got an appointment with David Gray out of David Gray Rehab he's in Ireland (laughs) and he, we did a zoom appointment and he helped me. He gave me three different exercises to do religiously for like, I think I had like two and a half weeks leading up to the, to the championships. And after about a week of doing those exercises, my pain went away significantly. So I was able to gain a little bit more confidence at that start line because I was in a lot less pain than I had been.
2: So as a brief recap, Sue had her first record-breaking sights set for when she entered this new 60 to 64 age category. And she was ready to get after it quite literally as soon as she crossed into that new age bracket.
1: My main focus this year was the World Masters Athletics Championships indoors in Poland in March. And I was turning 60 on March 29th. And I raced on my birthday, I think it was, I raced the um, prelims or the semifinals of the 800 on my birthday. And the next day was the finals the day after. So because my birthday fell in the middle of the championships, I had to compete in the 55 to 59 age category instead of the 60 to 64. So that meant that I was just trying to get a medal. I was trying to get a world record in the W60 category. But I also wanted to try to get a medal against younger women. So I basically just followed them as closely as I could in the 800 and the 1500 meter races and they you know they they're they're pretty fast we had that Michelle roll from the USA and Ava um, Trost from Germany two really respected athletes uh, leading the way so I um, just tried my best to... To so stick to them. <laughs> the 800 was first, and then the 1500 was next. I think I had a, a day of rest in between.
2: Yeah, so Sue would be running with younger, faster racers throughout the World Championships. She was running in the 50 to 59 category, but her runs counted towards records for the 60 to 64 category. And since she had some idea of the speeds that these younger runners would be running, She knew she could pace off of these faster runners to help her set these W60 records. So going in, Sue had a really clear race plan.
1: My coach and I discuss, I mean, we we discuss the pace, right? So I know what pace I need to run. And in all my training, we run those paces all the time. So it's just like seared into me. So basically, I just, I do check in with myself, you know, at the various clocks and make sure that I'm kind of on pace and then just tucking myself behind someone. Cause I know that I'm running with faster people. Um, so that was the tactic just like, you know, run the pace, tuck in behind someone and, you know, it, it will take care of itself.
2: Sue was ready just one day after turning 60, Sue lined up to add her name to the record books.
1: I had, a lot of confidence that I would set the record uh, if you looked at my training and you know through my coach Terry Howell he gives me a lot of confidence and the way he sets up my workouts we can tell that I'm fit um yeah I just like I won the prelims or the semifinals so that felt good to you know run to run um according to plan uh so and and we have this really good i love this there's one picture of of me leading the pack in the uh semifinals that's really cool. I wish it was the finals. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so the the finals basically I just tried to uh not let there be, you know, any gaps between me and the, the front two women. Um it, it got a little bit uh crowded. So a little a few elbows were were thrown, uh which is the case in indoor uh, races like that. But I made sure that I moved out to the outside so I didn't get boxed in. And I just tried to Velcro myself to the top two ladies, and uh, it worked. I hung in there.
2: (laughs) She had done it. Sue set the world record in the 800 meters for the women's 60 to 64. And she met her goal of meddling with the younger runners. She got a bronze in the 50 to 59 category. And next up for Sue was the 1500.
1: Well, the 1500, I was a little bit less confident because I believe that was only my, my third 1500 ever in individual competition. I did the decathlon in 2021 and there's a 1500 in that, but, and then I did one other 1500 at the regional worlds in Canada in 2019. So, and I did one more 1500 in Nevada uh, in October. So like a year ago. So I did not have any ex- much experience in the 1500 meters. And it's really long. Like I'm basically a 400 meter runner. <laughs> That's my sweet spot. But the four and the eight and to move up to the 15 just seemed daunting. Uh, in fact, our training was all geared towards 400 and 800 meter races. And we just kind of knew I could probably run pretty decent in the fifteen hundred. Based off of that training,
2: going into this longer distance, Sue's strategy was much the same as it had been going into the eight hundred.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, I I just had to race. If I raced, I'd get the record. That's how it worked because I knew what the girls were going to run. You know, I had a pretty good idea of what they were going to run based on their previous times and. Although in championships, a lot of times the race tactics take over, right? So especially in the 1500, but I just knew that the time would be fast enough for a W60 record. So I did just try to race. I did check in with my times and I realized, you know, at the the two and the four and the six, I I, I was so excited because I'm like, I'm on pace. I am like, I think I was like a second below pace by the time I got to the 600. I'm like, I just need to hang on. I just need to kick it in.
2: Once again, Sue McDonald had made it happen. She set another world record, and this time in an event that she didn't have much experience with. It was, though, likely helpful that Sue is really comfortable mixing things up and trying new disciplines.
1: I think it's, you know, that whole multi-event athlete headspace. Uh, I was a heptathlete. I love doing all the different events. And I can do all the different events. I like to vary things up. I don't like to just do the same thing or train for, like, one or two events. It, it, to me, it's kind of boring. So it spices up things.
2: <laughs> Sue continued to spice up the rest of her season by taking her incredible speed and skill into the outdoor season. One event after another, she set new world record marks in the 400, the 800, the 1500, the mile, the heptathlon, and the 300-meter hurdles. And as a final hurrah, Sue went after one last event.
1: It first happened, I believe, when I was looking at the records, I saw what the record was, and I plugged the time into my little converters on my computer, because I'm like, oh, what mile pace is that, you know? And when I found out what mile pace it was um i told my husband and he's like oh my god you should do that you gotta do that because you know if i had the record in the 1500 in the mile and i have the record in the hurdle so i have experience hurdling and i have experience in that middle distance you blend those together what do you get the steeplechase (laughs) and then um one of my training partners she found out the time also for the world record. And she's like, oh, Tara, you gotta let her do that. <laughs> and so then it began, like we, we thought, okay, we'll do it at our you know, club West meet here that we have once a year um, in Santa Barbara. And Courtney Barnes was my, my uh, training partner and she, she ran it with me and um, it was just very ugly. And this is the one time where it did not go like my visualization. <laughs> I thought I'd be able to hurdle all of them, like the whole race. And I did for the first two laps. I hurdled the barriers, but as I got tired, I was afraid of getting hurt, to be honest. And I would let out a couple of curse words before every barrier, probably the last two to three laps. (laughs) And I would almost come to a complete stop and then hop over them. Like I would hurdle them, but i would almost come to a complete stop so that I would know for sure that I can clear it. I didn't trust myself to attack the hurdles like you're supposed to, because I just didn't know. And I didn't know if my hip was going to work or not, because sometimes in the past, when my hip gets very fatigued and aggravated, it just shuts off. And if it shuts off, and that's my lead leg, if it shuts off before the barrier, those barriers don't fall over. And I really didn't want to end my season, you know, getting injured so that I'd have to start, you know, rehabbing for 24. So that was how it went. I pretty much did every kind of technique you can do going over the
2: barriers. As ugly as that steeplechase may have been, Sue still managed to set a world record time to finish off this astonishingly successful year. Looking ahead... Sue is focused on the same frame of reference she's always had since she started in the master's category.
1: I didn't really compare myself to my old self. I just started where I was and just was excited to see where I can go and see how fast I can go as a master's. And now I feel like, well, I'm running faster now than I was four or five years ago. And I know I could run faster. So it's just very, very exciting.
2: And Sue has a lot of plans to test her increasing speed.
1: So I would like to see what I could do in an indoor 400. And I would like to lower my records in the 800 and 1500. And I would like to go for the record in the mile indoors. And then outdoors, I want to just keep getting faster. (laughs) I want to run what Tara and I think I could run. So. I'll just keep chasing that.
2: Well, I am really excited to see what comes next for Sue McDonald. And that does bring us to the end of Sue's story for now, of course, an enormous congratulations to Sue on a truly phenomenal year I will certainly be following Sue's running journey going forward, and, of course, you can too. I will provide links to all the ways you can keep up with Sue in the show notes. And I want to extend a big thank you to Sue for coming on the podcast and sharing her story. Thank you so much, Sue, and very best of luck for everything that you have coming up. I, for one, am totally inspired by what Sue is doing So that is going to do it for this episode of Women's Running Stories. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here, and I would love it if you would rate and review the show. Please also know that I do not create this show all by myself. Cormac O'Regan provides all of the original music for the podcast, and he does that from his studio here in Cork, Ireland. I am Sheri Louise Turner, and I am coming to you from my home closet studio, also in Cork, Ireland. And until next week, I wish you healthy, joyful strides forward. Women's Running, running. Women's running Stories.